We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, aka Blender HD, aka hopefully on top of you on the DK leaderboards this week. Didn't happen last week, right? Way too much Michael Thomas. He didn't do anything. Join with me, as as always, the, the man behind the model at Advanced Sports Analytics. It's Stuart Gibson, as well as his special appearance. Oh, occasionally he graces his presence here. Uh, the person that I usually refer to as the better version of me, it's Brandon Adams. Hey, Brandon, how, how's the past couple of weeks been going for you? Oh, it's been fun. Yeah, it's uh, been some interesting slates. It's been it's been a funny NFL season for me. Um, it's been how's, how's it been funny? Well. Is it funny because you're not doing well? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> um. Well, I always think of NFL DFS as a really funny thing where a lot of, a lot of tournament players put in a lot of lineups anywhere from whatever, 20 to 150 per week. And then 
your results are basically dependent on your best lineup in a given week, or sometimes because the contest sizes are, are so large and so top heavy, your season is dependent on how your best lineup for the whole season does, which is kind of a crazy, crazy concept. And it, it shows you why this is so high variance. Right. Especially in a 17 week season. Like when, when you play NBA and MLB, it's kind of like you could like 150, 180 slates. You feel like, like, okay, I got, I got enough time to, you know, to get there. So, I mean, maybe I'm lucky that in week six, you know, I got my, I got my one lineup to the top of the slant. Like I'm good for the year. I should just expect uh, what the next six weeks of losses, like just built in. Yeah. It's like yeah. Profit for the uh, year after just that one. Well, that's what you play for. People don't understand that. That's like a Brandon knows that you, you, you play, you, you lose 90% of the time, but you want that one, you know, that, that the, the couple of top 1% outcomes to make up for all of the losses and then give you a ridiculously good ROI on top of it. So I haven't, I haven't run great in the sense of topping the big player pools, but I've, I've run pretty amazing in the queues, I guess. So I, I think my season will come down to how I do in the, the championship. But that, isn't that the contest that you would want to win? Yeah, that would be a great one. <laughs> okay, so let, let, let's go. Let's go for that. I'm I'm never in those contests, so like typically I don't wish anyone good luck because I'm competing against you. But since I don't play the qualifiers, good luck all you want. I mean, it's perfectly fine. I can't possibly win them, so why not you? That's that's what I'm hoping. They they kind of did what a lot of players suggested for the for the championships, which is make it online and then take the juice down. So I think it's been a favorable change. Right, because you're not paying for the experience, right? You're not that built-in kind of like, oh, $25,000 to kind of get some pigs in a blanket and some like open bar stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not that type of person. I've gone to one as a VIP and I just like, uh, this, this, this could be in some dude's basement and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. It doesn't have to be all fancy. Yeah, I hear you. I think in the future it might it might just be online. Um, we'll see. Well, let's let's talk about this week. And uh, if you're going to be playing, even if you're not for for a qualifier, you should definitely check out the FanDuel single entry series by Roto Grinders. Uh, it's still going on, going on through weeks thirteen. There's single entry contests at three buy-ins: five dollar, thirty-three dollar, a hundred dollar. Uh, your top four scores count towards the 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 six-man final. So if you haven't gotten in, you kind of you kind of missed out on that, but there's still great contests with low rate, good payout structure. The FanDuel single entry series, $5, $3, $33, $100, enter them this week. But this week is, is a, a, I would say is a weird week in comparison to the 2020 season. This is the kind of week that we would normally see in past years in NFL where... We have 11 games. The highest total game is 51. The lowest total game is 45. Uh, So the difference between the top and the bottom is only six points. We've seen this year where the top game is 56. The bottom game is 41. And then not only is the top game 56, but you also have like three or four other games that have 50 plus totals. So Stuart, in a week like this, 
We always talk about, you know, your top team probabilities. And we usually have, you know, like last week with the, the high total games, like those will obviously show up at the top and the ownership follows that. On a week like this, uh, I mean, I, I have to assume that the difference between the, the top stack and the bottom stack is going to be so much more bunched together. Yeah, I mean, not so much top to bottom, because uh, there's always, you know, going to be some teams sprinkled in. I mean, yeah, I guess it is. It, the lowest team is, you know, still kind of like a 1% type outcome. But yeah, I mean, in in, in previous weeks, we have had, uh, I mean, I, I was thinking back to the Kansas City uh, Jets week, where there's bad weather across the league. And Kansas City, we had is like a near 30% chance of scoring the most uh, points in the slate. Uh and then in previous weeks, I mean, we've still had more balanced weeks, but still the team most likely to score the most points is like, you know, 15, 18, you know, 19%. Uh, this week we have the most likely team to score the most points being uh, Pittsburgh at only 10.5%. So, um, you know, I know it's it's your catchphrase, uh, but this does really feel like a kind of play whoever you want type week where uh, – you know, there's just a lot of teams that are going to be in play and have a shot at, uh, you know, being the, the the stack that you want. As we're in previous weeks, uh, you know, there were, uh, you know, I think fewer teams that had realistic routes to being the highest scoring team. Um, and I don't know, to me, I, I would guess that maybe ownership will be a little more spread out in a week like this. Is that a correct assumption? Or do we still see like large amounts of kind of clumping around well, I think we end up seeing clumping around on players. Mm-hmm. I think there may be some chalkier uh, wide receivers and quarterback combinations that may obviously, since they correlate with each other, they, they lead to the stack being more owned. But Brandon, in a week like this, I know you like targeting the high total games. Are you more or likely to be a little bit more contrarian this week with the difference between these totals not being all that huge? Um, I, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm going to be especially contrarian this week because, um, well, I, at, at ASA, we've always liked Baltimore a good bit. Uh, they have nice properties for tournaments. They've got nice, nice upside, nice correlation, and they're somewhat unfashionable right now. So probably have a good slice of Baltimore, which will not be contrarian. You know, you don't think that'll be contrarian. I actually think that will be contrarian based on our ownership projections. I think maybe on FanDuel, they yeah, won't be contrarian. I, on DK, I, I mean, well, we- to be honest, I've, I've sort of looked more at FanDuel so far. Um, yeah. Okay. So I get, so, I get it there on, on FanDuel. It makes sense on DraftKings. I think we're more likely to see Patriots Texans we're more likely to see obviously like Dalvin cook, you know, Minnesota type of stacks with the receivers even. Uh, but, but obviously on FanDuel with the, the way that their salary structure is, I mean, playing a rushing quarterback when you're able, when the pricing is soft enough, like he offers the, the most amount of upside with a, a 27.75 implied total. And you could fit, you know, you can, you could single stack, you could double stack. You could even play him naked that, uh, no, I, I get it over there. I'm talking more on, on DraftKings where the pricing tends to be a bit more 
sharper. I mean, a little bit harder to fit in what you want. So what, what would your approach this week necessarily be on, on DraftKings compared to FanDuel? Well, um, I think you're going to have to win at the, at the running back position this week, um, which is a, a good conversation, I think. Um, a lot of ways to go. There aren't clear-cut plays. Um, I, I think that will be somewhat condensed on the wide receiver side, feels like. Um, but for me, I'm, I'm going to try to hit, try to hit running back. Um, and then one thing, as you know, that ASA projections are, are good with is um, people tend to not incorporate running backs into stacks very well either as runbacks or as, as part of the core stack. And um, I think it's because they know that it can be hard to have the running back and the wide receiver on the same team in a winning lineup. They've been conditioned that way. But if you get the right situations where you have a pass catching back that correlates with a a wide receiver on the same team, um, it can be, it can be very favorable. So that's, that's the kind of thing where ASA tools are are helpful. You look for that pairing of um, quarterback, pass catching running back, and wide receiver that that correlate well and can all go off together. Um, we have we have multiple options this week for for that type of pairing. So let's start with the top. We always start with the highest total and go towards the lowest total. Highest total on the slate currently right now is. Uh, the Green Bay Packers at the Indianapolis Colts. It's a 51 total. It opened at 49. Uh, the Colts with a 26.75 implied total. The Packers with a 24.25 implied total. Uh, obviously, the Packers are very condensed, right? We, we look at them as Rodgers, Adams, Jones. Uh, Alan Lazard will probably be back. Uh, so, I mean, there's a cheap piece there. I don't know how many snaps he's going to get compared to Marcus Valdez-Scantlin. But I think the, the the problem with this game that I that, I mean that any uh, DFS player will see this year is that the Colts have a nearly a twenty seven total, but they have three running backs, they have five wide receivers, they have three tight ends. Like like no one is expensive. It's just a matter of like like how do you stack Rivers? Who do you play? Even if you stack the the, the Packers, even if you was a simple just like Rogers Adams, like who do you bring it back with? I mean like. Pittman, I guess. I mean, he seems to be on in vogue at forty five hundred. You could take a shot at that, but but Stewart, uh, I'm going to assume that the Colts show up as like a good likelihood of of, of scoring the most points. It's just that from a DFS perspective, is there going to be enough production? Could this production be so spread out that even if they score the most points, that none of them, none of their individual players become DFS relevant? Yeah, I mean, they're showing up as one of the uh, they're the six highest most likely sixth most likely team to score the most points at uh currently we're projecting 7.7 percent uh likelihood and yeah i mean they're cheap uh but i think you touched on really the key issue with the indianapolis side is that it could really come from i mean god like five six different guys i mean they have what two tight ends that they use regularly 
Um, and then three that they'll use at times. Uh, they have what, three running backs that they use. Uh, you know, you mentioned Pittman was in vogue. I feel like it wasn't that long ago that Marcus Johnson was in vogue. And like, you know, the guys who we like with Indianapolis are constantly always in flux. Um, it's very difficult to pin down week over week kind of who the player is that's going to be responsible for the, uh, you know, points that the, the strong totals, because Indianapolis, I feel like week over week always has pretty solid totals and they're always kind of showing up as uh, you know, good kind of, implied total relative to stack price but uh yeah they're just they're really tricky to figure out um you know they have weak correlative properties i mean the more we kind of look at it and and you know talk about it to me like correlation is a pretty decent proxy for condensed uh you know output of a team right like wide receivers and quarterbacks that have really strong correlation probably do because when the quarterback goes off it just almost inherently implies that that specific receiver that he correlates with well is going to go off as well. And then these teams that have less condensed uh, scoring, you know, have weak wide receiver to quarterback correlation, because if rivers goes off uh, it doesn't really give you any more or less confidence that Pittman or Hilton or Naheem Hines are going to go off. Um, and, you know, we, we see that negative or weak correlation, among Indianapolis uh, skill players and their quarterback. And I think that is highly indicative of kind of what, you know, we're discussing now and have been dis discussing in previous weeks. Um, I don't know, to me, there are teams with similar uh, totals and priced similarly. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the show, New England being one of them, uh, even Cleveland to a lesser extent where, you know, they, they have kind of these, these respectable total and cheap price tags and still I just have a little more confidence in my mind as far as like who is likely to succeed if the team as a whole succeeds. Um, and then on the green Bay side, you know, you have super high confidence in, you know, green Bay's total coming through Adams or Jones. Uh, the problem for me with the green Bay side is like, we've been interested in kind of skinny stacking or playing Jones uh, on that green Bay side when they have like, you know, a 10 to 18% chance of scoring the most points. I mean, we have them down here at, you know, only a 5% chance of scoring the most points this week. I and mean, that's more or less, you know, just saying they have a low total and it's kind of, it's not like their price has come down that much. Um, and just the, the team total is significantly lower this week than we've seen in previous weeks uh, such that I feel like you can get access to kind of cheaper players uh, who might not be quite as condensed as Green Bay, although Green Bay, Green Bay, I think, is becoming less and less condensed by the week. I mean, you mentioned Lazard coming back. Um, you have both a healthy Jones and Jamal Williams. Uh, you know, Tanyan and Valdez Scantling have, uh, you know, always kind of been there and just their their role has uh, been kind of spiky. You know, there's weeks where they're just near zeros and uh, maybe it's just noise, but recently, you know, Valdez Scantling has, uh, you know, had somewhat of an expanded role. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Green Bay, obviously, you got some guys with great ceilings there, but uh, it's just a really expensive kind of price to pay for low total team where the condensed production isn't quite as condensed as, or I, I would project it to be a little less condensed this week than it has been in the past. Uh, Brandon, uh, you, you say that this is going to be a week that you need to win at running back. With the Colts, you got three of them. The Packers are a fairly poor rushing defense. The Colts are favored, two and a half at home. 
Frank Reich has said that, you know, he has no problem going with the hot hand. Do you think this is a worthy position to take a shot on one? Because they're all cheap. The, the Colts running backs are are fairly cheap. Is this, is this is this an opportunity where if you want to plant your, uh, plant your flag on one of them and say, I think I think Jonathan Taylor will get the hot hand and then he gets 23 to 25 touches and you know at the ownership that no one's playing these Colts running backs but you know given the total and given the you know they're at home and favorite against the Packers do you think it's worthwhile to do so even in large field GPPs to to maybe take a shot or is or the or the Colts just more of an avoid because of all the ambiguity um I think it's uh it's a worthy shot um so Hines has an interesting game log. Um, he has, let's see, like receiving targets in the past four games of six, three, five, six. Um, so, and he's had some big fantasy games, like against Detroit, he had two touchdowns and he had five receiving targets. He, um, last week he had one receiving touchdown one rushing touchdown and 70 yards rushing. Um, he he has the right properties for stack inclusion and for, for tournament upside. Um, and then Pittman has good value. So I think you can take some, some occasional shots there. Uh, Would the you be more likely to play like Rivers plus Hines plus Pittman and then run it yeah, back with Adams? Like- or the other um, one? I don't necessarily think you have to run that back. You could just play Rivers, Hines, Pittman. Um, you could run it back. It would be fine. It would also be fine without it. Um, the only thing in the ASA data that argues against that stack is that the the correlation is not uh, – <clears throat> great um but it's a cheap stack so that seems that seems like a reasonable, a reasonable oh so stack. oh you're on board with the vomit stack i uh whenever whenever brandon brandon whenever you're on board with the vomit stack i have to i have to get a little bit excited because it's like i didn't even bring it up as if i'm like could you like i wasn't barely considered this you're like no no i'm down with this vomit stack it's like okay i gotta start taking notes now brandon's down with a vomit stack i would think though for the indianapolis passing side to work you need some green bay i mean production no like i mean if if that rivers plus pieces side is going to work you know, you'd prefer for the game to be and, and, and for the game to achieve kind of or even overachieve its total. Uh, you would definitely need some Green Bay production. Um, I mean, so for me, I would think you would want to try to bring something back if going, uh, you know, with rivers and, and pieces No. Yeah, it seems that seems reasonable. Um, the. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think it's fine to bring Adams back. He's, uh, I've, as I, I've said, I've looked more at FanDuel this week um, where Adams is not a compelling value, but um, I think, I think yeah, it's fine, fine on the bring back. Okay, let's go to the next game. 
which should be somewhat popular. I think they're going to be popular pieces. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about a certain piece on FanDuel. It's the uh, the Saints. They're home against the Falcons. It's a 50 total. It opened at 51. It's down to 50. The Saints are now a five-point favorite. That's down. They have a 27.5 implied team total. The Falcons have a 22.5 implied team total. Obviously, Breeze is, is going to be out for the foreseeable future. We have Jameis Winston. Most likely, I know Sean Payton says, oh, well, we're going to see. Uh, you have to assume that, that because it's Sean Payton, that Taysom Hill is going to be on the field a bunch more times than he normally is. Who knows when and where. The goal line, it could be a, a fake punting. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, Michael Thomas is, uh, is 7,300 on DraftKings. Uh, if you go by his prior, like 7,300 is too cheap for him. But it, are people in this game, because I know there's a lot of talk about Jameis Winston because of his data from being on the Buccaneers. That is a completely different offense. Are, are, people, are people overvaluing the fact? I know it's a 50 total, but... Are people just thinking that Winston's going to start chucking the ball 50 times this game, especially when they're a, a five-point favorite? Uh, I mean, I know the Falcons' defense isn't good, but are people overvaluing that? Or or is the best correlation Winston with the Falcons' defense? Because, you know, <laughs> he'll throw four touchdowns as well as throw the three pick sixes. And actually, the best run back for a win – the be- don't, don't play Julio Jones. Don't play Calvin Ridley. The best run back for a Winston Thomas stack is the Falcons defense, right? Yeah, I mean, I would, I don't know. I would have to look up, uh, I'm sure like Winston, uh, Winston versus opposing defense when he was in Tampa was like something insane. Uh, let's see, TV. Uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm assuming the Saints have have a high top team probability and pretty much their pieces are like it's it's Kamara and it's Thomas. I mean, I guess you could throw in Sanders there and Cooks around. Like when Breeze is at quarterback, like he tends to spread the ball around. We we've seen that especially on showdown slates. Who knows what happens? You know, it's a, random people get touchdowns. Uh, I I are people like I'm I'm more viewing it from. I think people are looking at the Saints offense as, oh, Saints offense is usual with a better quarterback, quote unquote. But really, Breeze is a more efficient quarterback. And as we saw last week with Michael Thomas, when Winston came in, like Winston's passes are not very good. And I know Thomas is a great wide receiver, but he requires these these slow A-dot slants that require precision and not necessarily these 35-yard bombs. I'm I'm just concerned that people are overvaluing the the relationship between Winston and Thomas because they're just assuming that it's 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 Winston from the Buccaneers and not Sean Payton purposely game planning so that Winston doesn't have to make those 30-yard throws. Yeah, I I think it's a spot I I kind of would like to be under on. I um I mean I I think there are some compelling I guess components of Winston plus Thomas and um, you know I think even Kamara could be in consideration there but I don't know I mean if uh, it sounds like Winston's been gaining some traction and I see you guys are projecting him as uh, one of the more popular quarterbacks and uh, I don't know I think there's just a lot of fragility and risk there I mean like 
you know, Taysom Hill is a guy that Sean Payton has used and deployed in kind of high value spots and it has uh, negatively impacted Breeze. And I think Breeze is a guy that Payton probably trusts way more in kind of high leverage spots than Jameis Winston. So, um, you know, I think there is, there is some risk there. Um, I don't know. I'm not terribly concerned about this notion that like, I mean, like Godwin, I don't think of as a particularly kind of downfield orient. Like I think Thomas obviously is a very different receiver than like Mike Evans, but I think Thomas and Godwin have some similarities in terms of their, you know, route tree. Um, but, but the pro- but the thing is with the Buccaneers, they were thrown 50 times a game. I mean, like it didn't matter what the route tree was. It's like, when you have a quarterback that's strong 45, 50 times a game, you know, who cares? But if Winston throws 30 times a game in this scenario, or, or he throws 30 times, but eight of those are to the flat to Alvin Kamara, like is, is the, are people just, I, I'm saying again, are people over They're They're overfitting the, the Buccaneers. They're just saying, Oh, it's Jameis Winston, Chucky boy, you know, he's chucking the ball up. And, but, I mean, the coach has to call those plays. I mean, he's not – they're not just going to throw him in like that. And then Brandon on, on, on FanDuel, are, are you going to go with the double quarterback stack by playing Taysom Hill in the tight end slot? I probably won't play much Taysom Hill, but uh, – You know he's going to be popular. I, I, will, I will say that for both sites, my belief is that you're making this too complicated and that you're talking about a – historically bad defense from a fantasy point of view in Atlanta. And you just, you play the pieces, you play some Winston, you, you take your chances and Thomas. um, Well, just look at the history in this Atlanta matchup. It's uh, obviously everything changes, but, We've got a uh, winter game in the dome, historically bad fantasy defense. Um, take your chances. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the simple approach. I, 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 it's the simple approach, but in tournaments, I, I would, I would, I would recommend that. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm more comparing it to ownership because I mean, I'm looking at the, the Atlanta side and I mean, depending on if Ridley's going to play or not, like Julio is under 10% currently projected. Ridley's under 10%. Like the Falcon side is, is the low owned side. Is there, is there merit to playing the Ryan side with a one-off piece on the Saints? Because I, I would think that against the Falcons defense, you'd, you'd much rather play the Winston side and not if, if Jones, Ridley, Hurst, all these other the Falcons are coming in under 10%. Like simply playing Winston Thomas and a run back, like that run back mitigates the ownership of Winston plus Thomas enough that then who cared? Then yeah, then make it simple and just go, I'm just going to play for Winston to throw the ball 40 times. Yeah, my fear with that side is just like, it's a fairly low total relative to price tag for those players, um, which typically isn't, you know, a, a skinny stack even that I'm, super entertained by but um you know there is obviously a great ceiling on uh, I, I have to imagine also atlanta's got to be one of the best like ratios of quarterback fantasy points relative to score like you know indian uh i don't know indianapolis or san francisco probably ranks towards the bottom in terms of like 
I don't know. Atlanta feels like they can generate kind of fantasy points in excess of even sometimes pedestrian totals, but um, at, at least, you know, uh, uh, with, with disregard for that, I mean, to me, it feels like a somewhat low total for, you know, the price tag on those guys. Um, but I don't know. Um, I kind of like, you know, you, you could go like Ryan plus Jones and then Kamara to me, uh, you know, I wonder, I'm looking at y'all's ownership projections and uh, relative to kind of position, Kamara's the one that's coming in kind of lowest in projections. Like, why can't, you know, we let uh, the field get hung up on Winston and Thomas and try and decide if, you know, there's an extra receiver they want to throw on there. They say like, all right, let's just go Kamara. And I think Kamara pairs nicely with the opposing uh you know, if you wanted to stack up the opposing side, like I think uh, he's the type of running back that would have good correlation with the passing attack of the opposition. Um, he, he's pretty game script independent um, in my mind. So there are, uh, I think, less routes to failure as a guy like Winston. I think it says like he says some routes to failure that um, are, are, you know, should be relevant. Um, so Brandon on, on DK. I know because the scoring is different. Dalvin Cook currently projected on, on Thursday, 39% owned. Alvin Kamara currently projected 11% owned. Obviously, they're within 200 in price. I mean, you'd have to, you have to think that, you know, Cook's in a great matchup, sure. But at that ownership difference, is this the type of stack, like you said, with the winning the running back, where you could play well, you could play all three of them. Just say Winston, Kamara, Thomas, and and you're done. And just like, give me all, you're hoping it all goes through the Saints. They, they get 35 plus points and that's what wins you the week. Yeah, I um, I, I like both of those guys a, a lot. I think um, the Minnesota receivers are in a great spot. So I kind of, I kind of like the approach of taking the lower owned Kamara and and then um, doing doing the rever- doing the leverage the, right, the negative correlation the Vikings receivers right no I, I trust me we're getting there that we're getting to that game soon right you're, you're, you're skipping ahead Brandon is skipping ahead already because <laughs> yeah because that make because that makes the most sense like if everyone's gonna play a cook and the the Saints passing game. Then you play the Saints running game and the and the Vikings passing game, and it it you get the complete negative correlation of everyone else's lineup. The 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 one thing that's been mysterious about this season is that um, again we have we have a fantasy season where the low priced running back combos uh, have not tended to win big contests. Um, this kind of feels like a week where the the uh, high price running backs are in somewhat lesser spots, and they're also priced up. And um, it kind of feels like the week where maybe that low priced running back pairing with your high priced wide receivers gets there. Well, I hope so. That's typically how I build. It's been it's been a tough build this year, but I, I I like it in general. Okay, so let's go to the next game. I know you like it uh, on FanDuel, especially. I don't. Uh, this game will not be popular on DraftKings. It's the Ravens at home against the Titans. 
It's uh, open at 48 and a half. It's now 49 and a half total. Ravens are favored by six with a 27.75 implied total. The Titans have a 21.75 implied total. Uh, the only uh, the only ownership that's coming in this game is pretty much Mark Andrews at the probably maybe the worst tight end uh, position of any slate we've had this year because he's the highest priced tight end, right? He's 4,900 on DraftKings. Lamar Jackson will probably get some ownership. He's coming in, yeah, around 10, 11%. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, we take a look at at like Marquise Brown and obviously they have multiple running. The Ravens run the ball. They have multiple running backs. Uh, the, the Titans are, are, are remarkably a faster team than people think, but they still give Derrick Henry the ball 20 plus times. A.J. Brown is priced up to 7,200. Like no one in this game outside of Jackson Andrews is coming in at any, at really any type of ownership. Uh, Brandon, make the case. Okay, you made the case on FanDuel, which I get. Make the case on DraftKings that the Ravens are a team to target. Well, um, I think that uh, we've seen many situations where the high correlation trio of uh, Lamar, Brown, and Andrews get there. Um this week where Andrews is somewhat likely to win the tight end spot um, that will tend to make this trio, especially compelling. Um, You have some interesting runbacks from, from Tennessee. um, And they, I do think that Brown will be unfashionable this week. He hasn't, been getting there this season um but he's the type of player that could have one or two big plays he's the type of player that could have a 40 fantasy point performance um so yeah i think it's a it's a good spot so Stuart, uh on your on your list of top team probability i'm, I'm assuming the ravens come up there but as i said before like they could they could get there, but the game doesn't. I mean, like none of the players. Like yes, Mark Andrews, I get it, but he's also going to be the highest owned tight end because he's like the only the highest priced tight end and with touchdown equity. Outside of Marquise Brown at fifty eight hundred, he he does. He's not a screaming value according to most projections. Derrick Henry is going to be single digit owned against the Raider the the Ravens defense. But I mean, when you play Derrick Henry you're playing him for like breaking off a big run. Like a lot of people look at him as, Oh, he's going to get 25 touches and a hundred yards. It's like, no, he could make the, he could make the game speed up. I mean, I, I think Baltimore is uh, a little hampered on the defensive end right now. I need to look at it a little bit more, but I think that. Um, so would you, Brandon, would you run, would you do a, a Lamar Brown Andrews and have the run back be Derrick Henry? No. No, Derrick Henry is a fine play this week, but he's a he's a clock eating back. He's not the guy that you you want to run back with. So who is it going to be? Corey Davis? Um, he's cheaper. I'm just saying him because uh, on DraftKings on DraftKings Davis is fine. On FanDuel, I would say AJ Brown. I so. Baltimore is one of these defenses or offenses rather that historically the data has suggested that 
I mean, usually quarterbacks have pretty good positive correlation with the opposition wide receivers as well. Like when the opposing offense does well, it tends to correlate with, you know, good performances for most quarterbacks and receivers. The Ravens offense as a whole for really the last two years have been negatively uh, negative to neutral correlation with like opposing offenses. Uh, it, it does seem that like, and, and I, and I think this kind of fits the narrative around the Ravens that they play really well from ahead, but just totally collapse in like competitive games. Um, I think they are one of these teams that I feel okay with just playing without a bring back um, and Tennessee's uh, total is low enough such that um, it, it isn't for me a game. I feel like I have to bring back the opposition um, I know that sounds kind of not in line with how we think about correlating and stacking, but uh, I do think the the Ravens offense, uh, particularly Jackson and you know Brown and Andrews, have somewhat uh, un, unnatural like correlative properties where they 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 negatively correlate with opposing offensive production. Um, so it is a spot where I, I actually wouldn't mind not bringing back uh, a Tennessee. Tennessee player well moving on to and just just it does look like that the Baltimore defense we can treat them differently this week because they will be without two starters probably Hmm. well moving on to the next game it opened at 47 it's now up to 49 Patriots at Texans uh, the Patriots are favored by two and a half, 25.75 implied team total. Texans, 23.25 implied team total. And uh, looking at, uh, at at projections, uh, two of the highest owned quarterbacks on the slate. Because, I mean, we don't have the Mahomes. We don't have Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson. We don't have anyone. So Watson and Newton project to be the highest owned quarterbacks. We have value running back. He played 95% of the snaps. It's Duke Johnson at 5,400. Jacoby Myers is apparently de facto wide receiver one for the Patriots. He's 4,900 on DraftKings. Brandon Cooks is getting, you know, eight to 10 targets a week, apparently, you know, seemingly for the past couple of weeks. He's 5,200. Uh, I could I could see these stacks being fairly popular in GPPs because, I mean, we've, we've gone through some of these games and it's like, like okay, you could play this, but like double stack type of builds, I think are more likely to have this game because of the pricing. But uh, Stuart, where where do the Patriots lie as a top team probability? And are you concerned that typically when the Patriots are getting a lead, they're they're running the ball like they're running the ball as it seems like as, as much as the Browns would run the ball or the or the Vikings from a lead? Like they seem like the type of team that when they're ahead. That they that this clock is going to be moving, and maybe and and rightfully so, maybe that this total shouldn't be. It's moved up two points, but maybe it shouldn't. Yeah, so we have them as uh, seventh most likely to score the most points at five point seven percent. There's kind of a big uh, cliff between uh, sixth Indianapolis at seven point seven and then New England at five point seven. Um, yeah, I think the case to be made for the New England side is that it's just a well priced. Uh, team, I guess, relative to their total. Um, 
but yeah, when I pulled up lineup HQ and saw that, you know, Myers is projecting, I think as like the most popular wide receiver, um, you know, it does give me some pause. I, 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 I will admit I have a difficult time kind of navigating the, uh, I think function that like one must think of when considering, you know, like I think median wise and value wise, the game projects well, uh, but then there is some, uh, you know, negative coefficient function that where, you know, you dock your kind of uh, preference for a stack based on ownership. And like, to me, it seems like a uh, stack with uh, like Newton to Myers, uh, you know, good, I think good, good price, solid projection, decent uh, team total. But if the ownership is going to be super high, um, you know, it definitely has to be some penal penalization for consideration for the stack. Um, well, well, Brandon, I mean, I, I think what, what Stuart's trying to say and what I would agree with is that that this game seems seems pretty good for median. Like, if you're going to play these guys in a cash game and in, in, in double-ups, like, I think they provide good values. But are, are you more concerned that the ceiling of the stack is limited? Yeah, this is one that I would tend to avoid altogether. Um, the only... The only play that I might make is um, like James White naked or uh, Cam naked, but maybe not. I have to think about that one a little bit more. Burkhead, he just strikes me as like, I don't know, James Connor Light in this. I, like I would never play him this week. Um, the um, I would not um, – I would not play Jacoby Myers this week. I probably won't play him at all. Um, I think that the ball gets spread around a good bit. He's up against Bradley Roby, who's been a solid corner. Uh, I don't see any upside, really. Um, but he'd, so, he'd be fine for median. Like, if, you, if you're playing in double-ups, like, to get 12 to 14 points for 5K, like, that's not bad. I just want, I want to make it out that based on his target share, like, like, but when you play GPP, we're looking for ceiling. Like, if you can't get 20-plus points, like, you shouldn't be playing. Yeah. So, I would I would avoid the stack, and I would avoid Jacoby Myers. I, I probably won't have him in tournaments. Um, one interesting thing is that uh, James White used to be an interesting guy to use in New England stacks. Um but just eyeball test and just looking at some data that we have, they they don't use him in the same way anymore. Like they don't, he, he's not really a reasonable play in the stack. Like it used to be that you could consider the the Cam White Myers type stack, but um, just eyeball test the way they've been using him, it doesn't seem to get there. And then just like game log, he. He has decent stat lines in uh, losses, but nothing that you're getting super excited about. And um, he doesn't have great characteristics when they when they do perform well. So I, I don't know what to do with James White much anymore. Except he is cheap and he is a pass catching back. So I, I think he can be used in isolation. Right. And he's going to come in at like one point nothing percent owned. He just, oh. 
hasn't been on the field that much lately. Like his his role just clearly seems to be in in decline. Um, it, it would. I mean, Patriots have been a pretty mercur- mercurial team as far as you know how they use their running backs, but uh, it would, I think, take a pretty significant shift in kind of the allocation of snaps that they're giving their running backs, in my opinion. Well, looking at the uh, remaining games, I mean, we covered the top four overall game total games, but we're missing out on three other teams that have high implied totals, but their game total is lower because they are at least a touchdown favorite. So we're talking about the Vikings, who have a 28 implied team total. We're talking about the Steelers, who have a 28.25 implied total against the Jaguars, and the Chargers, that have a 27.75 implied team total. Uh, the, the Vikings are, I mean, these teams are going to be somewhat popular. Obviously, Dalvin Cook may be the most owned guy on the slate. I think both wide receivers, we have both them projected at 18 and 16%. Uh, on Roto Grinders, we have the Chargers. A- Allen is going to be owned. Henry, a tight end, will be owned. Kalen Balage, he's getting 70, 80% of the work at running back against the Jets. He'll be owned. And then looking at the Steelers, the Steelers are, I mean, the Steelers are, are a bit harder to pin down. Deontay Johnson's going to get some ownership, but Claypool's up to 6,100. Juju's up to 6,400. That ball could go to, to any any of the three of them. Uh, so, so Stuart, on the top game stack probability, I mean, I'm assuming these, these, these three do come up there, but I think I'm, it's kind of weird to say, I, I think I'm more, incl- I think the Steelers probably put up the most points, but it's, it's hard, like, who am I? Do I want to play Roethlisberger? Okay, then who do I stack it with? Do I double stack? Uh, Minnesota, I like the negative correlation to Cook, like we said before. Playing Cousins. And then Jefferson is 6,000. Thielen is 6,300. I know we talk about them being negatively correlated, but but that's when they're 7K. Now that they're 6K each, like it's so condensed there in, in Minnesota. Like, can we double stack them? And then on the Chargers side... Herbert plus Allen, we got these cheaps. I mean, we do it to ourselves every week, it seems. Denzel Mims is 3,300. He's, he's, he's top. I mean, Perriman got the catches, but Mims had the air yards with Flacco at quarterback. I know it's not necessarily appealing, but uh, the Chargers-Jets game could grind to a halt, right? The Dallas-Minnesota game, the Minnesota could blow them out, or Dalton's back. Like, I don't have no problem playing Amari Cooper or a CeeDee Lamb. And hell, even Ezekiel Elliott, right? You know, you know how Brandon, how do you like this for for a double leverage correlation power bomb where you don't you fade you basically this is what you do you fade Cook, right? You play Kamara instead. Okay, so there you go. You got that. You got that uh, price leverage right there in the position. Then you play the negative correlation to Cook, which is Cousins and the double and you double stack it so you go cousins jefferson whatever but then you run it back with ezekiel Elliott, who's priced the same as deandre swift who is also going to be chalky so like you get it right you get a 9k and a 6k running back that they're the complete opposites of everyone's build and then if you're not going to play deandre swift you play like marvin jones in that line you play the negative correlation of that play uh do i take this a little too far brandon (laughs) 
Um, if there's a week for it, maybe maybe this is the one. Uh, I'll say. Um, I mean, you're you're you understand my thinking, but I'm I'm saying like maybe you don't have to take it to the like the well, fourth. It, well, winning a DFS tournament is a race against the clock, right? Um, so we care about we care about correlations. You you have. Um, you have a race against the clock. You have a minimal amount of time to to rack up a lot of fantasy points. And um, I mentioned earlier that that Cook and Henry, they're game clock eaters. Um, Elliot is at least the way they've been using him this season less of a game clock eater. So he's uh, a somewhat reasonable run back. But in general, I would try to avoid it. Um, however, this is possibly a low-scoring slate. So if there's a slate to do it, it would be this one. But out of those three teams, the Vikings, the Chargers, and the Steelers, being that they're high high implied totals, who are you more likely to target? Because you say, like, if you play Cook, you could play him as a one-off, right? If you play Balage, you could play him as a one Like, you're not stacking the game. You're just playing the running back. Or do you think you could play something like Herbert, Balage, Allen? Like you just keep on talking about these quarterback to running back type of stacks that less people do. Like, I don't think you do it on the Steelers with Connor. Probably not. Uh, so out of these three teams, like who, who stands out as, as the most appealing to you? Well, can, can we sidebar for a moment and chat about Connor? Okay. What do Does there an intervention need to be made? Is, is, should we be playing Connor at all anymore? Um, yes. Okay, so that's the sidebar. The sidebar is at 6,600 <laughs> that we should be playing Connor, even though well, the Steelers... Well, Stewart has actually looked at Connor a decent bit. Stuart, what's your, what's your opinion right now on Connor this well, week? It's, it's been weird. I was, I was highly interested in Connor um, really right after, like, there was this period of time, uh, weeks five, six, and seven, where he was just like his, his snap share was on the rise, his rush share. I'm sorry. It was after in, including the week eight against Baltimore. So, so really last week against Dallas, like I thought Connor, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago against Dallas. So pretty much Dalvin cooks. I mean, matchup this week, like, you know, Connor was just, I mean, he was getting 80 plus percent of, uh, you know, Pittsburgh rushes, he was, uh, you know, still had, you know, a pretty solid pass game role where he was getting, you know, close to 10% of targets. Like, I mean, I just thought the guy was looking like kind of the workhorse that people have wanted him to kind of, ret- like, he had that role, what, uh, in, you know, 2018, I think it was. And, like, people have been kind of yearning for him to go back to that role. He's never been, like, a super high efficiency guy. And, yeah, I mean, he just kind of fell off the face of the earth against Dallas. Um well, they got behind that game. So, I mean, yeah, no. at least that's understandable. But how about this past game against, uh, what, the Bengals? They tended – it seemed like Ben just wanted to throw the ball. Like, they didn't even care about running. Yeah, I mean, and um, – oh, you're saying the Bengals just want to throw the ball. No, uh, no, no. The Steelers threw the ball more. They were throwing the ball more in first down against the Bengals secondary that, like, they didn't – they just weren't running the ball. Yeah. Um, no, it's been weird. I think just when, like, Connor was starting to look like a really trustworthy – guy um and i don't know i think 
one nice thing about Connor is he's always been uh, kind of a non-zero in the past game, like uh, utilizes utilized somewhat regularly by Roethlisberger last two games. I mean, he's got four, you know, 4% target share, which is going to be tough. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it, well, Brandon, same Brandon, you seem like you're going to be jamming in Connor into your lineups. Um, I'm going to have some Connor. Um, I, I, I don't know. He's not, he's not going to be, uh, like one of the two or three highest owned, but I'm going to be above the field on Connor. Okay. Um, well, I'm, well, I mean, you say that this is going to be a week to win running back. So like you seem to not be like, like, you, do you want to play cook at that ownership or, or, I mean, what, what off the board type of, what are you going to be at running back then? Um, you have to play two of them, right? You have to play at least two, right? Yeah, well, I I think I need to look at ownership a little bit more carefully, but it seems to me that you have some some mid-priced and low-priced guys that are good values and are going to have concentrated ownership. And that's going to also tend to have some high-priced running backs with condensed ownership like Cook. And so my tendency is to kind of go the other way and try to play the low and mid-priced running backs that are high value and then have the higher priced receivers. Um, so that that will be the tendency I'll be on the, the end. Does, does one that fit the bill, assuming, or maybe even not even assuming if Matt Breed is out, like the Dolphins have, the Dolphins are favored in this game. I mean, like the Dolphins are 24.25 implied total in Denver, but I mean, it's the lowest total game. But if they're, if, if they're going to give Salvan Ahmed the ball 20 times, and he's 4,800 in a favored situation, does, does that, I mean, to me, that fits that cheap running back that, you know, he falls in the end zone twice. He could, he could be there, sit there with 18 points, and as long as, you know, the, 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 you don't have like multiple outlier running back scores, if Cook puts up 24 and Kamara 22 and like no one else like kind of gets there, like the only way you could fit in high price wide receivers is by playing, you know, a running back that got 18 at 5K. So is, is, is Ahmed, is, are those the types of running backs you're looking towards? Because I mean, that's even lower than the 5K level. Or or are you more likely to play a chalky Duke Johnson against the Patriots? Um, yeah, I, for, for me, it's um, you've got like five or six uh, consensus strong values at the around that six K price point on uh, FanDuel or five K on DraftKings, and they're all they're all good plays. Um, Ahmed might be one that I'm not on as much um, just because there's less track record proving him. His game log is like two, two games and he had a good game last time, but he wasn't like a master of efficiency. He just got a touchdown. Um, and I live in Miami. I, I, I read a lot of the beat reporters there. It's, it's not like people are super high on Ahmed or there, it's, it, there's nothing, there's nothing about the situation that's, especially compelling for me 
Um, so um, yeah, maybe I'll be underweight him among the value guys. So who's going to be overweight on? We're trying. I'm pulling teeth here, Brandon. I'm trying to. People are listening, going, "Okay, he doesn't like these running backs. Then who does he like?" Um, I think Duke Johnson. The the injury situation is not a concern right now. I haven't I haven't really followed that closely. Um, Gibson, I like a good bit. Um, Balage, I like a good bit. Um. But these, but these wouldn't be running backs that you're putting in stacks. These are ones that you're playing as one-offs, right? Yes. Um, so you're not running. So you wouldn't be like putting Kalen Barrage and then also Jamison Crowder in your lineup. You wouldn't be playing Antonio Gibson and then putting Tyler Boyd in your line. Like you're not even trying to make secondary correlations with these players. Just like the running back gets there, the clock, you know, the clock winds down and. There's no part of the other side of the game that gets there. Correct. Okay. Any any interest in um, it, it's somewhat of a low total, but uh, you know Cleveland's got some really cheap. God, I, I feel like I bring up Cleveland every week on this show. I, I was going to say, do we do we need intervention with you, <laughs> Cleveland? Look, no, 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 no. I know what you're going to say. I know Cleveland has interesting pieces. You have the interesting pieces. Now, look at the Eagles. The Eagles who now they have seven million people there. So. I, who knows who you play there? Miles Sanders and run back uh, uh, Landry or Hooper. I know. I know I bring up Cleveland every Thursday, and then the weather is terrible, and I never play them come Sunday. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the weather is. They're the most run-heavy team in the league. All right, yeah. So if Miles Sanders uh, gets going as a runner and Philadelphia can play from an advantage, forcing Cleveland to uh, – skew more pass heavy than they would like to me that seems like uh like a correlative uh pairing that centers around this script of philadelphia essentially reversing the spread um i don't know i do need a cleveland intervention though it, it yeah uh, you do i mean you really do i mean they 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 rushed uh, both hunt and chubb got there that's how much they ran but that's what they would plan on doing anyway like to me i take a look at if I had to pick like vomit type of game, like why not the Bengals and the, and the, and the Washington? Cause like Burrow could chuck the ball. Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith, as long as they're behind, they, he's going to throw it three yards every play. Like, you know, you, you could play McLaurin, you could play, you know, something there. I mean, even the lions and the Panthers, like if PJ Walker's in, you got a cheap quarterback there and he could chuck from the XFL. You play Robbie Anders. Like I, I just seem that, that there are more paths for those teams to turn into a shootout than like, like the Brett, like, because let's say the Eagles get ahead. But who are you playing? Who are you, Wentz plus who? I mean, like, I like, and they have a 22 implied total. Like, what, Stuart, where does the Browns rank on your top team probability? Yeah, I mean, not super low. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, but not super high. You say not super low because you don't want to say how low it is. So super cheap. I mean, what Landry's uh, five and change. Uh, Hooper's three nine. Mayfield's five and change. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders is. Uh, I don't know. He's efficiently priced. I wouldn't say he's a a bargain. Um, I don't know. They 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 just show up as kind of having a decent total and super low. Uh, you know, cost kind of 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 the passing pieces. 
I mean, I do caveat every week, like they, they have major ceiling concerns with, um, you know, the, the, the passing pieces of that game. Um, but oh, they're just super cheap. And uh, the, the yeah, but I'm into the cheap stuff. You know, I love the vomit stack, but even then, like I draw, there's a point like Brandon, I know we were talking about the vomit stacks with the, the cults. Like, is, is there a, is there a bargain basin? Cause I'm looking at, it's kind of weird to say, I'm looking at the Cowboys go, why can't I play Dalton plus Cooper plus Schultz to fill my tight end spot and then play one of the, what, don't play cook, play Jefferson or, or Thielen on the other side. And I know it's a low, it's 20.5, but Dalton has to be much better than the guys that have been running out of quarterback the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I think, I think that's a reasonable play. And I, I, I do, I do like where you're going with, um, bad low price tight ends um i think with the tight end spot having disappointed so much this year and with no marquee uh tight ends you're going to get the condensed ownership on on andrews and gasicki and uh there would be real real value in in hitting that tight end spot with a cheap guy and we know it doesn't take much, right? Like it just takes the touchdown and um, there would be so much value in, in just getting lucky in that one spot. Um, and the natural way to get lucky is to, uh, is to play a, a cheap tight end with his, with his quarterback. Right. So like if I'm going to double stack, I'm, I'm, I, I'm obviously I don't build my lineups until Saturday. I expect a lot of my lineups predominantly to be double stacks, but the second piece is going to be the tight end. Like, and I really don't care what it is. I'll, I'll play Drew Sample if I'm playing the bar. I, the tight end position is, I mean, if you're going to play right, a let's cheap- hear you, Let's hear your list of, of, of tight ends. Of, of well, I don't know. I don't know who it depends on what I'm stacking, right? Because I take a look and I go, like, why can't it be what Logan Thomas, right? With the Alex Smith and then McLaurin. You got uh, Robert Tanyan. Rogers, Adams, Tanyan. Why not? Uh, you got uh, Trey, Trey Burton. I mean, obviously Mo Ali Cox. If you're gonna try for the Rivers stack, you got uh, Irv Smith. They'll be back. So then you know who knows. Jordan Akins or or Darren Fells for the Texans. Okay, why? What's wrong with that? Right. You, I mean, you could go with Jeremy Sprinkle. Who cares? Right. It doesn't matter. I have to mention Jeremy Sprinkle because there's one guy that comes to my streams like all the time that always touts Jeremy Sprinkle. So maybe, maybe it's Jeremy Sprinkle, the second tight end for, for, for the Washington team. What about Ebron? Can you get a little Ebron in there? Oh yeah, sure. But I mean, it depends. I'm, I'm going by the teams that I'm stacking. I don't think I'm going to stack the Steelers. So that's why like, I know I'm, I'm playing Connor. Like after you, you once, once you, once you paused on like, I'm going to play Connor and let other people play the, the wide receivers. Maybe, Hey, Stuart, I'll, I'll allow you to do this. Since you have that Browns obsession, <laughs> You those can are, play Austin Hooper as a one-off. You can, you can. I allow you to do it. That's fine. Those those are weird ways of pronouncing Austin Hooper, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm, you know, my my phonetics aren't this strong. <laughs> yeah, but then in the way that we've talked about it, that like this slate is much more up in the air than than we normally would see. So, like, yeah, you. I mean, I I normally am play whoever you want, even on slates where it seems like there's two obvious spots to play and I still play other stuff. But I think this one, I, I mean, you, I think Brandon, would you, would you agree with this on a slate 
that with lower totals than we're used to. I mean, this is like kind of normal for NFL. I mean, if we go back two years, these are normal totals. But for the year of 2020, uh, on a slate where there's not like one game that looks like it's going to be the shootout, doesn't it make it more important if one out of the 11 games does shoot out more than them all, that if you have that stack, you win? I, I would agree with you. So this would be more, this like, like if you, if you wanted to go three plus two, like, cause you're thinking in terms of the slate context as a whole. So you have 11 games, like thinking in terms of like how we think in an MLB, right? If one team scores 14 runs this slate, you win with the stat, like you won. Like don't, it doesn't, doesn't matter anymore. Cause most likely there won't be other, there won't be three other teams that put up 14 runs. Most likely it'll be one team. And the next team has like eight runs. Then a whole bunch of teams that have, five or six runs. And if you get that one team, the five man stack of that team, you win. I think this is the type of slate where like, and it could be any of the games. If it just so happens that, that the, uh, the, the Bengals uh, Washington game goes for 65 points and all the other games just stay to their totals. Like that, having, having that three plus one, having even a three plus two of that, whatever that game is, like you could win on this type of slate rather than on slates where you have so many high totals that some one-off, right? Stefan Diggs gets there. DeAndre, some high price, like the one-off pieces of multiple games get there. So I think there's much more value in stacking. Like, like you said, put the tight end from with your quarterback because it's a garbage position. You know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to play uh, a condensed offense like the Vikings, Maybe you do play Cook and Jefferson. You just go Cousins, Cook, Jefferson, Cooper, Schultz. You know, you do something like that. I mean, obviously in small field, that's much more viable. But but I I, I think on, the, on this type of slate, that if you could pick the one game that happens to be the one that goes two touchdowns over any other game, that, that you win. I can agree with you. Okay, well, good. I, I I like when you agree with me. I'm glad I have you on board with Connor. By the way, it it's um, it's a buy low spot because people it's, don't it's expect maybe, it. It's maybe simplistic thinking, um, but but it's not Brandon. It's, it's for, not. They have, they have the highest total. They have the highest total. They're a ten and a half point favorite, and why not play the run, the lead running back for them that has the highest touchdown equity and he's going to be seven percent owned. Like I, I I'm. I'm all on board with that. I'll play him over DeAndre Swift and then wait for Swift to crush crush my soul when he has 32 points and he's chalk. Yeah, Swift, um, it's surprising that he's going to be super chalky, actually. Well, well I, I, I'm, again, I've been looking at FanDuel a little too much on DraftKings. It's sensible. Right. Okay, so uh, Brandon, uh, people can find you online. Brandon Adams on Twitter. You have a podcast also, uh, people don't, don't, don't realize. Not a DFS podcast, but. Yeah, Brandon Adams podcast. Uh, and my very, Twitter is at badams78. Very, very original name of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Stuart, you're at uh, Start Gibson, as well as the AS Analytics DFS account. And you do tweet. You do tweet a bunch of, bunch of useful stats. And, uh, and people could also go. To advance sports and sign up for the, the sub stack, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, it, it's confusing. The, the Substack and site subscription are, 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 are two different ones. Substack won't get you access to any of the tools on the site. Uh, site subscription gets you access to the tools and uh, some of our written content. content. But uh, yeah, I mean, we try, we've been trying on, on the Twitter account to just, uh, as we're kind of preparing our tools for the week, uh, you know, looking through some things and anything that jumps out that might be useful, uh, trying to trying to make that uh, publicly available via Twitter. So, uh, you know, we should have some information uh, there as the week goes on. And you could sign up to uh, Roto Grinders Premium, Core 4 Premium, NBA, MLB, PGA, NFL. Rotogrinders.com slash media slash ASA. The link is in the description of the, of the podcast, of the YouTube video. Uh, you get $5 off your first month. So if you want to use Lineup HQ, you want to use the projections, you want to use all the kind con- with tons of content, uh, all the breakdowns, all the, all the gridiron IQ, all the stats, sign up there. Your first month is uh, $5 off. I'm always in the Discord. If you're, if you're a premium member, you get, you get access to the Roto Grinders Premium Discord, and I'm always in there answering questions. So, so join us today. So for Brandon Adams and Stuart Gibson, I'm Jordan Cooper. And that has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. Mm-hmm.